You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. But we had a trade. Wardo Escobar was traded to Los Angeles Angels for a pair of pitching prospects. Very interesting deal in the first segment I want to discuss the impact of removing Escobar, why the Mets made this move, why they ate his salary to get better pitching prospects, and if this is the sign that the Mets are going to be sellers this year. So we'll get to all of that in the second segment. I'll discuss the return, the two prospects the Mets get back in this trade. Then in the final segment, who is going to replace Escobar on this roster? Before we get to any of it, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing just baseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Well, we had a shocking trade on Friday night in the middle of the Mets game against the Phillies, which they lost another embarrassing performance, bad defense, no hitting. I don't even want to talk about that game on this show today, okay? It's a trade, and it's a pretty good one. The Mets send out Eduardo Escobar, who is barely playing at this stage, and they get a pair of pitching prospects back in to get the type of pitching prospects that they did for the Los Angeles Angels, they ate the contract. And this maybe gives us a little inkling at how the Mets will continue to use Steve Cohen's pocketbook to get creative. And look, yesterday's show, I spent whole podcast assessing where the Mets are at in the Steve Cohen era. And the thing that maybe I didn't say enough of and I think if you listen to the whole conversation, you, you will understand that I, I was not blaming Steve Cohen. I was questioning if rushing will ever work when it comes to professional sports and how the Dodgers were maybe an aberration in that model. They didn't win a World Series early either. But you have to credit Steve Cohen for using every single vehicle at his disposal to shorten the suffering for Mets fans, okay? Whether it be spending big on free agents or in this case, taking a player in Eduardo Escobar who did not have much trade value and turning him into two prospects. And two pitching prospects that I'll discuss later on in the show who fill a need in this farm system as guys who give you more starter depth in the upper levels. And one of them, pretty nice arm. So again, we'll, we'll talk about the return later, but... The deal itself is interesting because there was a report earlier today that the New York Mets could look to eat bad contracts at the deadline as a vehicle to buy. So they could look at Patrick Corbin in Washington and say, we're going to eat that contract. And in return, as Andy Martino pointed out as his report, you know, we want Trevor Williams, who's on a nice contract, who can be some starter depth. He can pitch out of the Mets bullpen. We saw him do it last year. I know I don't know how much he'd like that because I think he went to Washington for the ability to start, but still. 
and maybe you could get a bullpen arm out of it or something along those lines. Now, Corbin's owed $35.4 million next year. That'd be a hefty contract. It's not the wisest thing to do, and typically. But if money doesn't matter, okay, it, it changes the game. And there's a lot of trades like that that we'll be discussing on this show, frankly. Because the Mets are going to have to get creative to change this team. And what I like about this trade is a couple things. One, Escobar wasn't playing much, okay? Yes, in a limited role, he did perform better. He had an amazing May. But even then, it was 13 at-bats. But it was 16 games played. He hit 394, uh, 444 on base, 606 slug. Did hit a couple of home runs. But this month, only got 20 at-bats so far. Played in seven games, 200 batting average, 273 on base. He just wasn't getting in there. And it's because you have a guy in Brett Beatty, who's the third baseman of the future, that you should be running out there every day. So you have a guy that was, okay, maybe the, the right-handed bat off your bench. You also have Mark Cannon and Tommy Pham, who are both giving you good at-bats that really need to be getting as many as possible. Need to be first up on the pecking order before Escobar. So you take a guy barely playing, turn him into some prospects, clear a roster spot. It's a good trade. Now what happens next? What impact does this have on the club? Eduardo Escobar is a great team leader. Everyone loves him in that clubhouse. He's a fan favorite. A lot of fans love Eduardo Escobar, as they should. He's a really great personality. But... Removing that, while it hurts in that clubhouse, it changes the clubhouse. And at this point, a drastic shift in the clubhouse in any manner, I think, has to, it can't get worse, right? I can't say it's definitely going to get better moving a clubhouse leader, but it can't get worse in the way the Mets have been playing. And if they keep playing like this, You might see this formula replicated, and it puts everyone on notice of that as well. Tommy Pham, Mark Canna, eat down their money, get as good of a prospect return as possible. You can see that very easily. Max Scherzer, eat down his money if he's pitching well come deadline. Now, that $43 million option, that's going to get complicated. The Angels inherited a um, club option with a buyout on Escobar. They choose to exercise the club option. Obviously, they pay it. Player option shows it's a more complicated deal, but we've, we see kind of the pathway the Mets could take to selling off some of their contracts where Cohen would eat money to get prospect return, or we could see the Mets go the other way where they would, again, take on onerous contracts to try to add to this team. But for the Mets to do that, you got to show up and win baseball games first. The Mets right now are closer to last place in the entire National League than to a wild card spot. That is how bad they have played this month. They have been awful. So, yeah, it sucks for that team that they have to deal with the hurt right now of losing a leader in Escobar. It's not fair that Francisco Lindor is mic'd up on an Apple TV plus broadcast. and has to talk about it, but that's 
what happens, you have to have tough conversations and deal with (laughs) unhappiness, quite frankly, when you make a move like this. But that comes when you're playing like this. As Lindor said, either on the broadcast or after the game, I read the quote in an article from Anthony DiComo. He said, you know, when we don't play well, people lose jobs. And Buckshaw Walter, that seat is scorching hot. The Mets get embarrassed this weekend. What's to say you don't pull a trigger there? Because you have Eric Chavez in the dugout, could be your manager. You have Joey Cora in the dugout, could be your manager. You have Carlos Beltran roving around this organization who could be your interim manager, who could slide in. Fans would love it. It would create all the stories. Beltron finally gets his chance. The one guy that Francisco Lindor might actually be okay with Buck Showalter losing his job for. He still probably wouldn't be because he loves Buck, but he certainly loves him some Carlos Beltron. Stuff can happen now. And this, even though it's, in the grand scheme of things, a small trade, it could mean a lot more about where this franchise is going. So what I want to do in the next segment is talk return because the Mets got a nice return here in the two prospects. And then we're going to close the show with how they round out the roster now with that Escobar, how they handle third base. We get to all that in just a minute. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors for a championship team. It's all about making sure every player fits perfectly. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage. Look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. There are 122 million parts to choose from. You'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices. On ebaymotors.com, let's ride. eBay's guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so let's learn a little more about the two pitching prospects the Mets get back in this trade for Eduardo Escobar. The real headliner is Coleman Crow, 22-year-old prospect that Fangraphs had listed as high as eighth in the Angels' farm system. Now, I will say the Angels did not have the best farm system, but according to LOE Pipeline, Crow is going to slot in right outside the Mets' top 10 immediately to 11. So that shows you the type of prospect that he could be, right? Uh, again, he's 22 years old. He's been on the aisle since the end of April. It's hard to figure out minor league injuries. It's not as readily available as major league injuries. So I don't know exactly what the injury is, but prior to it, he made four starts this year in double A and looked great. First one, he pitches six no-hit innings, two walks, six strikeouts, no runs. Second start, one hit allowed, three walks, seven strikeouts, and five scoreless innings pitched. Next start, six innings pitched, gave up three runs off of four hits, but had 12 strikeouts. Then his last start before going on the IL, seven innings pitch, two earned runs off four hits and a walk with six strikeouts. 
altogether, 1.88 ERA. He had 31 strikeouts and 24 innings pitch. Batters are hitting just 114 against him. His whip was 0.63. Now, last year, he spent the season in double-A as well. It's a guy that was drafted in 2019, not a high draft pick. Um, didn't play in 2019, didn't play in 2020 because of COVID. Uh, you know, obviously the minor league shutdown. 2021, he makes his debut, pitches an A, gets an aggressive promotion in, in 2022 to double. Didn't fare great if you look at the overall numbers, a 485 ERA, 128 strikeouts and 128 innings pitch, a 1.31 whip, and batters hit 263 against him. But you dig a little deeper into the numbers, there's some misleading information there that makes you understand the type of prospect the Mets are getting here because his first 12 starts, double A last year, a 2.82 ERA. His last 12 starts, 7.08 ERA. A guy that was, you know, in his first really big, big season in professional baseball, you can understand him wearing down a little bit. Now, if you go to Baseball America, here's what their scouting report reads verbatim. Says Crow is a slight six foot right hander who is an excellent athlete and intense competitor. Fastball sits at 91 to 93, but can touch 95 with solid sinking action out of his low three quarters arm slot. Still has room to get stronger at velocity as he matures. Crow's high spin, low 80 slider is an above average pitch. He can vary the shape of and morph into a power curve as needed. He rounds out his arsenal with above average change at the flashes plus with split action. Crow throws plenty of strikes, but has fringe average command. Future, this is what they say. They say that his future is because of Crow's size and command. It may limit him into being a multi-ing reliever, but the Angels are banking on his athleticism to help him maintain or help him remain as a starter. He could see AAA in 2023. So this is a scouting report before the season where they had him ranked at the tail end of the Angels' top 20. Try to get a comp on the type of prospect that he is. Smaller sample size than what we've seen from Mike Vassell this year, but similar type, right? A guy that has some potential to stick as a starter who is in double A. Vassell just got the call up one. Every chance that Crow at some point this year can be in triple A as well. Guys that could replace the David Petersons and Tyler McGill's of the world as back-end starters on cheap contracts that could fill out this rotation for the next couple of years. You need these type of guys. And here's one that has some upside, that has a good slider, a good changeup, a solid fastball. That's a pitch mix that if worked on properly, if sequenced correctly, he could find himself to be a pretty nice, you know, four starter for the Mets, maybe. And that's very valuable. And that's not in the too distant future. So to get that for Eduardo Escobar, who was barely playing, that alone's value. And then you get another kind of flyer. And this other prospect landed. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the last name. We'll call it we'll call, Marco. I, M-A-R-C-E-A-U-X. Got a little bit of uh, LSU going on there. Uh, you know, go Tigers with all the, the vowels. We'll just call him Landon. Okay, Landon this year has a 4.88 ERA and 12 starts in AA, a 1.54 whip. Not necessarily the best stats, 
Um, not a high draft pick, but another guy that represents some depth in that regard. The scouting report from Baseball America says that he's a right-handed command specialist who changes speeds with a four-pitch mix to keep hitters off balance. Fastball sits 89 to 94th late sink, makes it hard to lift, and plays his ability to locate it. Uh, his low 80s fading changeup and slider are above average pitches, and his curveball has improved to near average. His ability to manipulate his off-speed and locate them on the corners makes for soft contact and occasional swings and misses. His repeatable low-effort delivery that allows him to pound the strike zone and locate everything with plus control. His stuff is pedestrian, they say, but his ability to command a four-pitch mix gives him a chance to be a death starter or swing man. He'll return to double A, they said. This is, again, a pre-season um, scouting report. So you don't know what Landon's going to be. Could be nothing. But you get two arms that you put into the 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 you know double A rotation, um, fill out your depth, guys that could, if everything breaks right, be pitching for you at the end of this season or next year, and we see how much you just need arms, especially guys that can give you multiple innings out of the pen or can slide into your rotation. And so, you know, maybe in Crow, you add another guy that's in the you know, Mike Vassell, Dominic Hamill camp of Mets prospects. And with Landon, maybe you get a guy that's more in the, you know, Jose Budo section. Maybe a step below that. So I don't know if he has a pitch as good as Budo's changeup, but still, that's a lot of value to extract from a guy that, I mean, he was on pace to give you what, 30 at bats a month? So you might have gotten 90 more at-bats for Eduardo Escobar. I don't want to knock him. He has a chance now to go to an Angels team that's trying to win. They don't have Gio Urshula. He's out for the year. Um, that necessitated them to be canvassing the market. They call up their old GM, Billy Epler, and he gets a deal done here. They get a guy that can play right now, and he's going to get way more playing time, which is good for him anyway. And the Mets get some value here, and they clear a guy off the roster where they can now bring somebody up from Syracuse who can maybe add a spark as well. So I want to discuss who that player will be next, which uh, infielder will the Mets promote. We'll get to that in just a minute. First, though, another word from our sponsors. New York Mets will play the Philadelphia Phillies at 4:10 Eastern time today. Catch every pitch in the Mets hometown broadcast. Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Now, who's going to join the roster? If you're dreaming on Ryan Mauricio being the Mets third baseman or their second baseman, that ain't happening right now. I would be very surprised if he was the name they called on. For one, he hasn't really fared well defensively outside of shortstop, playing some second, playing in left. We'll see what happens there. But also, you don't want to put him in the exact same position Mark Fiantes was just in with Buck Showalter. And right now, I don't think the Mets necessarily should be playing Ronnie Mauricio and Mark Fiantos. Daniel Vogelback, for whatever it's worth, has looked a little bit better. Not that looked great in this game, but looked a little better. So at the moment... After his mental health break, yeah, there's probably a better chance that in this short window, he's going to contribute over a Mark Vientos whose confidence was just tested or Ronnie Mauricio, 
who's, I mean, what? You're going to play him as a part-time DH? That's not the best thing for him, particularly when you don't know where the Mets are going to be and what they're going to do with the deadline. Not to say that they're going to trade Ryan Mauricio. I think that at this point that'd be negligent. But let's just say you clear the deck at the deadline. You trade Mark Cannon and Tommy Pham, and left field's open for either Jeff McNeil or Ronnie Mauricio, whichever position they want to play him at, left or second. That'd be the time to call him up this season. So I think he's off the board. Mark Vientos is an option. The Mets, according to Anthony Ducomo, are debating between two, Vientos and Danny Mendick. But you just sent Vientos back down. And you're going to call him up for what role exactly? To be the backup third baseman? I got news for you. Defensively, for the most part, Louis Guillaume was going to be the backup third baseman as he's the backup shortstop and the backup second baseman. Now, against left-handed pitching, just play Brett Beatty at that point. Right? You're not going to play Guillaume. And yes, you could call it Vientos and have him platoon with Beatty, but that's not good for either player. And theoretically, sure, he could DH platoon with Vogelback. But you got Canna and Pham swinging pretty good bats right now. You're better off in this short term not doing that. If you really wanted to get a right-handed bat to do that, just get a guy that doesn't really matter to you in Luke Voigt, who you have sitting in AAA, who you can purchase his contract and add him to the 40 in Escobar's place. And you know, he's been good in whatever short sample size you can call it at Syracuse. He has three home runs, although was he hitting there? 227. Uh, 528 on base, so he's gotten a lot of walks here. What is this 13 walks? Is that correct? Wow, 13 walks and 35 plate appearances. That's insane. But I mean, is Luke Voigt facing triple A pitching? What do you expect? Didn't have good numbers this year in Milwaukee. But if you just want a bat to fill that role and you feel confident that Mark Cannon can play some third base as he did in this game, okay, most likely it's Danny Mendick. That, that's the move here. And look, we all knew that Danny Mendick at some point this year was going to get called. He was given a million dollars to be on the 40-man roster, to be one of the, the best-paid minor league players, 4A guys in baseball for this exact moment. And he's hot lately. In June, he's hitting 292 in Syracuse, 378 on base, 542 slug, has four home runs on a six-game hitting streak, 14 RBIs, can play you know, second, third, short, left, Play him all over the place. Right-handed bat. Last year, mashed lefties. This year, reverse splits. He's been better against righties than lefties. But I'd call him up and not really play him much, honestly. I wouldn't call him up and force him into the lineup over Beatty. I'd call him up, and if I'm the front office and Buck Showalter is on his last legs, which we'll see about that, but I'd be instructing him to play Brett Beatty every single day, to not pinch hit for Brett Beatty, with Mark Canna, the Canna drew a walk, but, you know, could have pinch hit him for a Vogel back, but I, I digress. I don't even want to get into that game. Another bad one. Regardless, you play Beatty, you play Lindor, you play McNeil, you play Alonso, play Nemo. Give Marquez some time off at some points to work both Fam and Canna lineup, in my opinion, but it seems like they're going to still roll him out there almost every day and, and hope that he'll find a way to break out of it and, and produce a, a good season. We'll see if that's still possible for Marte. 
And you got to get Canna and Fan there at bats using left field and DH and obviously sparing all the other regulars. And so then you have Guillaume and Mendick as backup infielders that you can use that I wouldn't use much, quite honestly. And then, of course, you have, you know, your, your Nervaez, um, Alvarez catching uh, tandem. And then Vogelback again, being the primary DH against right-handed pitching for now. And if Vogelback sucks for two weeks and Mark Vientos is red hot, do something with Vogelback. Find the team out there that was Daniel Vogelback. Trade him for another pitching prospect and clear the decks. At some point this year, that might just be the move. This might be a Mets team that, you know, in August is running out Ronnie Mauricio every single day at left field or second base, Brett Beatty at third, Alvarez at catcher, and getting Vientos time at DH because you see what you have so that you know going into next year what roles these rookies can Fill for you moving forward. Who needs to stay? Who might have to go? And what needs to be added if this is a lost season and you really have to turn the page to 2024? This could have been the first move to that with trading Escobar, or it could be something that happens to shake up the roster. Baseball is weird, and maybe the Mets start to play some better baseball. We'll just have to wait and see. That's going to be all for today's edition, Locked on Mets. I'll be back on Monday for all you everydayers. So make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked on Mets. If you want to catch every pitch of the Mets hometown broadcast this weekend, you could do so with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets.